Hello and welcome to another episode of Ramped Up, the podcast all about disability, where no topic is off limits. Um, we talk about all things from education to transport to health to everything. My name is George Browse and my co-host is... Uh, we are both full-time wheelchair users and we like to try and interview people with as many different types of disabilities as possible. So we have had a lot of people with physical disabilities uh, and it's nice every once in a while to talk to someone with a different kind of disability. We have uh, Lexi, who is a friend of mine and uh, I'll, I'll let her introduce herself in just a second. Before I will say that I know her as Willow and so if I ever refer to her as Willow, I mean Lexi, it's just me trying to break old habits, okay? Um, so yeah, Lexi, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? Um, hi, uh, my name is Lexi Bushnell. I live in uh, Central California on the coast. Um, I'm 41 years old. I have uh, autism and ADHD, uh, self-diagnosed. I do want to uh, add. Um, uh, I have been uh, working for the United States Postal Service for um, 18 years. Um, my, my job kind of, it's kind of interesting there. I, uh, I handle the valuable packages, those packages that um, are worth either a whole lot of money or are extremely uh, sentimental. They are of high, high value. Um, so I'm the one that takes care of those and, uh, uh, for fun as, uh, how I know Joel is we are both writers. I, my preference is screenwriting, making, uh, writing movies and, uh, TV series, animated series. Um, so far it's just a hobby, but you know, would love for it to be something more. Yeah, it's uh, but so yeah, I do screenwriting part time. I don't think I've ever really spoken about it on this podcast. Uh, it's a relatively new thing that I new hobby of mine that I've not put a lot uh, of effort into uh, until very recently. Um, but yeah, I've read some of your stuff and they're quite cool. They do often uh, sort of feature disability as well. Um, so there are a couple of projects that I'm aware of. Do you want to talk a bit about them? Um, sure. Uh, the one that, that kind of started it all, um, is called Draglets of Makara, and I do have a couple of animated episodes on YouTube. Um, it is, uh, it features a, um, a disabled, uh, dragon. She is paralyzed, she uses a wheelchair, and she, um... Uh, her injury is such that she will never be able to fly. Um, she is, so it is, it's basically like a slice of life thing. Her on her, her day-to-day, -day, her and her day-to-day -day life and surrounding and her just being, um, just being a kid. A kid in a wheelchair, but she is just a kid. And she's actually a bit of a bratty kid at times very much um she is she's an adrenaline junkie she, she just wants to go 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 she does not think before acts and she can be and that goes the same with her words she can be a bit uh cruel and, um not realizing it completely she's a little kid that is all what she is and she also happens to be uh disabled um so that is, I've been working on that uh, with with her story for like, over seven years. Just recently, um, a series featuring a herd of centaurs who live on a farm. And um, the series is about them helping each other and helping their neighbors such. And it features... Uh, Three characters with disabilities. 
Um, one is the herder who is like blind. Um, one of the teenagers, uh, he has a congenital leg difference. And um, I'm currently writing one right now. Um, a new neighbor that just moved in who has ID, a dissociative identity disorder. So that is um, the kind of stuff that I write. I don't particularly write about the disabilities. I write about what they are doing. So, for example, on um, the story with uh, the character, the ID, the story is not about it. it very not. I don't have it. I have listened to people who do, but I do not feel that enough authority to actually write something about the idea. The story is actually about how um, they love boats. They just moved from the coast into a landlocked area. And so now they are starting up a riverboat business. More or less that, and they also have DID with that. So um, that is the kind of stuff that I. Cool. Um, the dragnets of Makara. We will link down in the description below. So while you were telling us about your various projects, you said that you're writing characters who happen to be disabled. A lot of people would say, "What does that mean?" As opposed to like. You're writing disabled characters. Explain what you mean a bit by that. Um, they are right. Yes, I am writing disabled characters. Um, their disabilities play a major role in their lives, and their lives play a major role in their story. But the story itself is not about their disability. It is about their just day-to-day lives, interact interactions with um, people, um, and there is always a stark contrast between how family, uh, sees them in, in families. It's just a normal day that they don't acknowledge anything in more in public or dealing with strangers. That's where it becomes a much, um, kind of bigger, uh, bigger issue or it, it comes to head. So it's just normal life. It, it's just them living their normal life. However, whatever they see as normal. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction to make, that while your characters, quote-unquote, happen to be disabled, they are disabled, and that you see that lived experience, um, a lot of media doesn't show that um and we we also run a disability writing workshop where we help writers to um you know sort of um write characters who are disabled and something that you really focus on is making sure that the character is a character is a is a person um and that's you know something you really focus on whereas i tend to focus on uh sort of is a disability representation accurate? You you know, we, we have different ways of doing it, but ultimately we want to make sure that it is um you know it's a good it's good representation because boy the media is really bad at representing disability. Mm. Um something else you touched on earlier, you said that um you research disabled characters and like you look into their disability, what sort of, is there a sort of process for doing that? Um, no, not exactly. Uh, I mean, I definitely look on. Uh, uh, I look. Uh, I look on social media. What What I'm looking for are personal stories from the people, not about necessarily about people but people telling their own stories and things that have happened to them and such and then that inspires me to okay well now I want to research this and I want to research that um 
yeah, it much of it, much of everything I write is inspired by real people. They are not real people. I am not taking um here, let me just change the names and throw in someone else's uh experience and this character represents that person. No, uh it's not like that. They are a completely unique character, but I am kind of changing their personal experiences to fit um the uh the um the world they live in i do tend to write fantasy worlds um i uh my my characters i have a uh, a world of dragons a society of dragons right now i'm writing a society of centaurs they have very human experiences, but it is not a human world. There's a few reasons that I um, I did that. Um, um, in that, it's just fun. It, it, it's just fun world building to um to imagine and dream. What exactly? How, how would centaurs design their world if they could create their own world? Um, but there is also the fact I don't have the disabilities I'm writing about. I want them represented correctly, accurately. And if I do that in a natural human world, there are nuances I'm going to miss. In a fantasy animated world, things are already a little bit exaggerated, a little bit... Fantas- you're already in a state of um state of disbelief um in a human world also some of the stories can be can get a lot darker than they are in animated real world um issues especially dealing with children and such so it is intended as a way to lighten up serious topics like i did one um I I already completed one episode is about dementia and that can get really, really dark quickly. Um, but I, I want to, uh, I, I want to represent the character accurately. I want to represent their disability as well as I possibly can even though I personally have not experienced it. And so that's also why I want to listen to people who have experienced, use their personal experiences to inspire uh, something fictional. Mm. Yeah, it's good that, you know, you it's good to use real people's experiences to sort of shape your world, to shape storylines and this sort of thing, because... Uh, then it's really accurate and you know you, you don't have to worry about oh but what if it's not what if I haven't done it right you know um I mean I guess it is still that concern you know sort of as a person who doesn't have the disabilities of your character there is still that concern of have I written it in the right way am I doing this right sort of thing but it's also good that you are using those real stories and adapting them in a way, which is kind of when I when you explained to me when you explained that like you create this fantasy world with these like human life experiences. It kind of sounds like you're taking your reader to like a land like a children's land kind of thing, where whatever they imagine with people with living with this kind of hardships how they would live if that makes sense i think that's quite a good way to look at it and also quite a fun light-hearted but also educational way to kind of educate people it doesn't have to be people who don't know these disabilities but also people within the disabled community to learn about other people as well thank you thank you i um that's kind of my hope. I I really want to break a lot of the stereotypes 
um, of, of what we see on TV because so much of it is wrong. And it's, some of it's mildly wrong. A lot of it is painfully wrong. And one thing, that there's certain things that you never see or you hardly ever see uh, in uh, or disabled people portrayed in media. You hardly ever see them as love interests or being sexually desirable. Um, being, being leaders. Um, so for example, my, uh, my blind, uh, character, he is, he becomes the leader and he's a bit unsure because of his, uh, blindness, but that's, it's not his sight that makes him a good leader. It's how much he cares about the rest of his herd. Um, and when he, you know, details that I do kind of look like, look at um, when he is on his farm, the entirety of farm, there's orchards and there's farmhouses. As long as he is in those premises, he feels completely normal. He can get around just fine. He goes outside of that comfort zone and that is where he can struggle and he his blindness becomes a bit more of a thing for him at home. It's not that much of a thing. He, he makes, he takes steps to make sure he doesn't step on the toddler. Um, but, um, he has his ways and his routine. So little, it is just sprinkling in little details, but the bulk of it is, you see the character and you see his empathy while kind of how's the um I think you are the audience I'm visualizing if you were to see this as an as a an animated thing he would be you would see his empathy first but kind of subliminally notice how he is doing certain things, how he is feeling things, um, what, where he's confident, where he's not, how, how, like how he harvests, how he harvests food, how he walks around the barn where a toddler is playing. Those little details, but that's not what the story is about. It is about him being a leader comforting those around him being kind of like the steadfast heart the herd so i i feel like this episode will be talking a lot about like the media because that's something that both me and you are very interested in uh as as screenwriters um are there any like movies where there are disabled characters that really irritate you because the representation is bad or inaccurate, maybe? Uh, There's a whole list of them. We mentioned music. and uh, (laughs) Which, I'll be honest, something that really annoys me with music are the names, because I love the names. The the characters named Music, now the characters named Kazoo, and those are just fun names. And I hate that they are associated with that uh, that movie. Um. Mm. So uh, yeah, you want that to is a quick rundown of that movie. I don't think I've seen it. Um, I'll be honest; I have not seen it either. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, does it, has anyone it seen it? I don't. I know mean, I I haven't seen it deliberately because I know that it is so bad. I don't want to support the film. If uh, I might get in trouble for saying this, if I do watch it, it'll be illegally. <laughs> because I, I, I didn't say that, obviously. No. But like, it's about a, a girl with nonverbal autism. Um, and oh, I see what's going. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe I have to tell me too much. Like, I know where that is going now. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And there yeah. are uh, questionable things shown, um, like, a, like um, the... Oh, so the first thing was they were initially going to get an autistic actress to play the character, and then they said, no, we won't, because um, it, it wouldn't be... We wouldn't be able to... It would be too difficult... They weren't willing to make any adjustments. And this is another topic that me and you kind of briefly talked about previously in our previous season, how um, in the media, especially in movies, they rather go for convenience rather than accurately portray a character with somebody who understands that world and that mentality and those experiences. They would rather, like, it, there's a movie that I I haven't watched it, but I have heard reviews on it. I, th- I think it's called Split. It is about DID. Uh, what really caused an uproar about it is that people, well, especially in the DID community, people have said that they portray them as kind of like serial killers. That at any point they can shift. And they could go at you, that makes sense. And in the community, they were like, that is not completely not true. Yes, there are um, altars that are there to protect you, and they come forward, but there's rarely any chances, or it rarely happens, that they actually will go and attack another human unless absolutely necessary. Which, to me, like, I haven't watched that movie, but just hearing people say that breaks my heart. The fact that they rather portray this sci-fi weird fantasy world that is not at all accurate, even though they claim they have spoken with people who have DID. Yeah, it is concerning how people put a spin on things and completely change a condition, ultimately, or leave things Mm. out just to make it easier for them or to make it more watchable or more, uh, you know, more attractive at, at the risk of, like, you know, really harming those people in society. Do you remember we talked about, um, on one of the episodes, about a deaf director? I don't remember his name now, but he did win some sort of award for his film. I can't remember it's on my head now. But that was kind of the first time we realised that, oh, people with disabilities are being seen. And yeah. that being one of the big, like, the big events. I mean, you were talking about it for ages. We're like, oh, my God, like, that is it's becoming true. But what's sad is that he wanted to cast somebody who is deaf but wasn't able to because he was talked out of it. Mm. Yeah. And... And I, I mean, I've seen it a lot, actually, funny enough, since we started the podcast. <laughs> it was totally all us. Uh, but there's more representation of disability in the media now, uh, which is great. You, you know, you're seeing it everywhere. Um, Lenny Rush uh, fairly recently won a Brit Award for Best Performance. Uh, and he has Lenny Rush. He's an actor oh, who has dwarfism. Yeah. And he was in a... A British TV show made by the BBC called Am I Being Unreasonable? Um, yeah. I believe it's on iPlayer now. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, there, there's been quite a few recently, like actors and actresses and directors and so on, who have won awards because they're, you know, they are good performers. And it's good that it's finally being seen. You know, we're moving out of the mindset that people who are disabled are incapable or they wouldn't make good actors, or, you know, we're moving out of that mindset at last. Um, and, you know, really going, oh, these people are like me. And, you know, we're, we're becoming more equal, which is really great. Something else that, totally off topic, but also Barbie has become more diverse. There's, there's dolls with alopecia, with, um, not alopecia, is it alopecia, the one with the skin pigment? Disorder? Oh, uh, no. Where, like, um, the pigmentation and skin changes? There's Ligo. There's yeah, Ligo. I'm so sorry. Sorry. Wrong, wrong, wrong time. 
there's one with, with Barbie who has hearing aids, and there's one in the wheelchair, one that is now recently one with dwarfism. Like, that is so cool. Like, and I wish I had that when I was a kid growing up. Like, why was Barbie in the wheelchair when I was growing up? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's great. Like, even though I'm 20, I will look at uh, adverts. I'll see adverts of a wheelchair and I go, Mum, Mum, a wheelchair. You know, because yeah, it is so great to see people who mm. are like you uh, and see, yeah, see people who look like you and see that you are being represented. It's really nice to see. Mm. So I kind of have a question for Lexi. So you said that you do screenwriting, right? But you still do a little bit of, I guess, novel novel writing as well. Is that true? Um, yes. I, I'll be honest. I just go with the flow of whatever I'm feeling in the moment. Um, I really <laughs> love screenwriting. It is so strict about its rules your your lines can only be so long um you have to use the minimalist of words um it has to be in present tense there are so many rules to it and i don't like Staying within the confines of a box just makes it so much easier to write. I'm not worrying about, well, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I? And so the story just flows. But the honest truth is no one reads screenplays. Um, you can submit screenplays to, um, to con competitions and such. It is rare, very, very rare that something actually gets made um so if you want to get your work out there and you want the public to actually see it then um uh then more narrative prose is the way to go but the problem with that and i am struggling with is there are no rules. You could it could be in any tense. The narrator could be anyone. The um the prose can be as long and flowery or as short as you want. There are no rules. And so it's kind of the thing where I'm constantly questioning, is this right? Is am, am I doing right? Am, am I switching? I'm switching tenses here, but then I'm switching tenses over here. Is this actually past tense or is this word present tense or when it's used in this sec? So, <laughs> and, I, and so, uh, I have been trying to do more of the narrative writing, but um, it's a lot harder. Oh, um, yeah, that's one of the, one of the reasons, um, so, uh, my Draglets of Makara, uh, series, uh, I actually went to a, some producers and I pitched it and I got very positive reviews. One, it was, um, it was something original that like the characters, the, everything, everything they asked was well thought out, but there were several problems. Um, one is I'm not famous. So, mm. you know, if someone else, like, you know, say like, uh, how Jerry Seinfeld got the B movie made that if that had come from a nobody, nobody would have made it. But because it was him, he was already a big name. It got made. Um, and the pointless um, cartoon that I've ever seen, to be honest. I'm sorry, can you put that? I said it's kind of a pointless movie I've ever watched, to be very honest. It is. <laughs> it's just, and 
so bland. There's like nothing coming on. No, like no offense to him, he's a great writer. That's true, and his like works are amazing. But that was one of his like worst ones I've ever seen. That was. I I laugh at that one just because. I did not expect it to go where it was going of suing the human race. Like, can we just deal with the politics inside the hive? Like, that's kind of where I wanted to stay, not suing humanity. Like, that's just weird. It felt okay, like and- very internal t- turmoil was coming out and it just wasn't portrayed very well. Yes. Oh. So, um, I'm not famous. The material is not famous. You will find, um, well, um, my apologies, one of the most obvious things is, say, Harry Potter. That story blew up, and now the author can has a lot more say. So the material needs, yes, I, I have to agree. Um, there was a third thing, and... Uh, I don't remember what it was, but basically you need to get, you basically need to be famous before anyone will touch your material. And so that is why I turned some of my scripts into animated shorts. However, animation costs a lot of money. I can't draw worth a flip. So uh, hiring people had a great team of uh, people. But um, for one, the cost, because my job, my job changed. So my income changed and I couldn't afford it anymore. Um, There were a lot of issues, honestly, with imposter syndrome that really caused a lot of problems for me. Uh, But that was the reason of getting my stuff out there. So that people can see that once one, two, I don't know, I guess it was my, my way of saying to the disabled community, you are seen, you are heard. I, I want to demonstrate your stories. Yeah. Cool. It's, uh, it's really difficult to be a screenwriter because, as you say, it's really hard to break into the industry. And to, to get in, uh, particularly in America, I think. Um, I, I've not been in the industry in either country, but apparently uh, in the UK it's, hard, it's easier um, to, to, you know, to have more say in your work and stuff like that. Kind of backwards logic when you think about it. Like, they won't touch your work because you're not a household name. But yet, if you haven't broke, if you haven't had any work done, you can't become said household name. Right. It, exactly. Exactly. Um. It, it is. It, it's more about who you know, but you yeah. also can't get in to meet, uh, meet people. I think it's, I. Um, it's a huge power struggle. It seems like to me. It is. It, it, it is all of the game, and I think I recall what the third thing was, uh, why mine wouldn't work. Um, production companies like to go with what works, what are money makers. And that is why we are continuously seeing Star Wars, Marvel, superheroes. It is the same thing over and over and over again because those are guaranteed money makers things that go outside of that that um are new and experimental or such they tend to be flops regardless of how good they are um, one of my favorite movies is um rise of the guardians <clears throat> about frost I think that is an awesome, incredible movie, but it underperformed and it was a flop. That is, Mm. we're not getting beautiful original movies like that. We're getting, oh, another 
another sequel, uh, another Disney remake, another Marvel superhero. So that is a huge problem in. But I kind of feel like when those already established household names like Marvel, like Disney, for example, but when they launch, like obviously, this, this, let me put it into perspective in this way that a smaller named uh, writer, right, puts out something, it doesn't perform well. But if a bigger, like, brand household name like Marvel, like Disney, does the same thing, it gets massive media attention and people love it. And they say, oh, it's so innovative, it's new. It's not. It's been done several times. It's just, it's not being promoted and seeing the public eye as much, which is incredibly frustrating. Yes. Yes, it is. And it makes it nearly impossible for new up-and-coming writers to get into the business. And discouraging, it seems like, as well. It can be. But do you do these, like, animations and screenwriting for yourself and for the, like, for the exact audience you're aiming it to? Or do you want it to be more worldwide kind of thing, like seen by everyone, not just specific, you know, people, I guess? If that makes sense? Like your motivation. The dream would be seen by everyone. But when I picture who is watching it, I actually imagine the person with the disability watching it, mm-hmm. watching it, critiquing it. Um, ooh, they they did this right. Oh no, that's wrong. Ooh, like, um, I I want to say it is for the masses, but in reality. I think it is more for the disabled community to see themselves. Um, It's more. um, I want to. I'm trying to figure out how to say this, but. I want the world to see how unique and beautiful people with disabilities can be. Completely unique. Just a person with the same flaws, with the same, with a little bit more complications and difficulties. But mm-hmm. the exact same things. So, tell you what, um, I um, inspired my draglets of Makara. Writing a 10-year-old disabled protagonist is actually inspired by a real story from me. Was um, uh, in, in my real life, I was about 10 years old, and my friend's mother was killed, hit by a truck. And so I didn't know what to say to him. I felt bad for him. I didn't know his mother. I never met her. I, I was I was a kid just like him. I didn't know what to say. And so um I basically I didn't know how to give condolences. I went to teachers. I went to my mother and well what do I say to him? And their response was That, that, that's a tough one. And nobody would tell me. And so finally, when I figured out what I wanted to say, it was about three days later. And um, and 
he was he was gone. He uh, he got sent out of state to live with another relative because he didn't have any family, any other family. And I, it was a major regret regret that I was his only friend, and I did not say a single word to him after his mother passed before he left. And just because I was, a, I was scared of what to say and giving condolences is not something that is ever taught yet. It is something that we all encounter. So that is what inspired Draglets of Makara. How would a kid give condolences? And then, oh, well, yeah. Uh, let's also, um, she's also disabled. The problem she's dealing with has nothing to do with her disability. It's just daily normal life that we all live with. Um, but she is also a disabled character. So we see, like, we kind of see the person, in this case, the dragon. He's not human. Um, or, we see both just living life, being normal. So that is kind of what inspired it. Um, I forget where I started with that, but. Um, <laughs> but no, I it, think it's, sorry, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Go, go. No, I think it's quite beautiful that you kind of say normal. Because through that, that character's eyes, whatever they're going through with their disability added on, is there normal? There's no definition of normal. Like I remember in school being always taught, being always asked, oh, don't you wish it a normal life? I'm like, oh, what is a normal life? I know nothing than this. This is normal life. Mm. So hearing your version of normal makes me so happy on the inside, honestly, it really does. Oh, thank you, Bob. Thank you. That's like the highest praise you could give. That is like. Yeah, and that's part of it, isn't it? That um, yeah, I I could be able-bodied, but that's not necessarily better. Uh, you know. For for me, that change, that whole process of transition would just be chaotic. It it would be just as chaotic as you know someone losing the ability of their legs. You know, it it mm. changes so much, so drastically. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean. Um. I feel like we've, talk, we've spoken a lot. Um, it's always nice to talk about disability. I I, I wonder what because um, you mentioned that you are self-diagnosed. What was that? What's that like? Are there any advantages to? Are there any disadvantages to being self-diagnosed or being professionally diagnosed that you see, or how did you realize that? You know, there's a possibility you're autistic and have ADHD. Okay. Um. Yeah. Sure. Uh. So growing up, um, I always knew that I had issues. I always knew that I was different. Um. I was recently looking through uh grade school uh scores and teacher comments. And all of them were glowing. I had excellent um, academic academics. And so I'm uh, looking back, were there any signs? And the answer is yes, there were signs, but I didn't know. No one else knew because no one looks to the smart kid if they're having problems. No one looks to someone who is doing well um to if to to see if they're having problems and 
they probably would have noticed problems if they had looked at my socialization, not my testing scores and my academics. Um, uh, so I also, um, I grew up in, for the early years in a single parent household. It was just me and my mom. And so I was never in a chaotic, I was never in chaotic situations or very, very rarely. If I was in a chaotic house, if I was um, repeatedly put in somewhere where there's a lot of noise and a lot of just chaos, just, then it would have been a lot more noticeable, I think. But because everything, I grew up very quiet in a quiet home, often being alone, no one, there was nothing to notice. It was honestly more... I think throughout growing up, I was more obsessed with, am I doing things right? Like watching other people and then copying them or learning how to do things from them. And I don't mean skills. I mean, going into a situation of what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to act? And then acting like other, copying those actions. And, oh, somebody did this thing and then um so so that means it's okay if i do it too mm. and that was how i grew up that was my entire mentality of growing up uh and that continues on uh, today now when with the autism was never even considered for growing up uh, it, that was only a boy thing. And um, it it was um sorry, I'm I'm losing my 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 train. Um uh, it's going into the some forgetfulness uh <clears throat> yeah so um no one e it wasn't on anyone's radar uh one thing that uh i was repeatedly very often and still am uh um described as arrogant and I've never seen that. And that really, really hurts me because I don't want to be arrogant. I don't think I am. I, I've always thought of myself as eccentric. I, I, um, but like throughout my childhood, even into adulthood, that was the word that more followed me. And no one could tell me why or such. Um, I, at one point, I was diagnosed with schizophrenia. At another time, I was, um, they suggested maybe bipolar. I've seen a variety of therapists. Um, it wasn't until I was watching, I was watching an autistic YouTuber, and he was reacting to an autistic character in a show. Mm. And it, it was about uh, the character was sitting on a bus seat and the character was basically saying, I don't like the feel of this bus seat. Bus seat. So, um, uh, so I'm going to sit in this weird, funky way so it mm. doesn't touch me. I don't understand how anyone else can stand the feeling of this of these bus yeah. seats. And the, and the autistic YouTuber was like, no, that, that's not the way it was. It, it is. We are 
fully aware that we are the only ones who are having problems with this. And that was kind of the thing because everything I had seen has been a, um, everything I've known has been portrayed on TV. Hmm. And I always assumed it was a mental disconnect from the world that you're not aware that you are different. Right. But the honest (laughs) is, yes, even to the point of, like, the paranoia of, this is really, really uncomfortable bus seat, but I don't want to look, I want to hide the fact that I am not comfortable. I'd rather suffer than look, than appear discomfort. I I want to act like it. And that was kind of the epiphany that I got. Um, right. That the the self awareness. I've always known I was different. And looking back, little things, little little itty bitty things. Um, I do recognize, but that was the beginning of the self. Uh, self-diagnosis and they're just the research after that just the so media played a big part in the self-diagnosis and it was actually yeah someone actually talking about it and comparing the production to reality yeah um I mean, you, you, what you were saying there reminded me of my mum in that she doesn't understand why people use labels um, because she doesn't like to point out things that are wrong. But I don't think that's what it's about. It's about seeing a difference. Not that disability is wrong, but it's different. I mean, there's nothing wrong with, you know, noticing something that's different. Um, and so, you know, the way that you've seen that you're not bad, you're just different. You, you have differences or struggles that other people don't have. And there's nothing wrong with saying, you know, I have these issues or I have these things that I struggle with that other people don't. Um, I, I think that's important for for people to realise, you know. Absolutely agree. I, I, when I realized the, you know, I, I believe I have autism and like, it just checked every single box. I'm, um, I hate to say this. Um, I hate that autism speaks uses a puzzle piece. Because uh, autism was the puzzle piece that completed me. Like that was, it was, I could finally see all of myself, the entire picture when I put in that puzzle piece. It was the missing part of me. And I really hate that an organization as cruel and um, and hurtful as autumn speaks uses this symbol that I would gladly use for myself. Not that I am a puzzle. I'm not a puzzle, but autism is the final puzzle piece that completes my, um, my identity. That makes and, it part of who you are. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, because it yeah. affects the way that you see the world, the way that you experience it, the way you interact, it affects so much of you that you'd be a different person without the autism. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And because I now recognize I have that, I have, I, I, I wear it with a badge of honor. I am proud of it. Um, and I have used... I now use my autism, um, things that 
I've had so many issues with self-hatred and self, and it's more of, I'm telling myself throughout my entire life, ever since I was a kid, I should be able to do this. I, I should. I'm not working hard enough to get this done. I'm, why am I so weak? Why am I too stupid to do this? And never having an understanding or an answer and just believing that it is, it, ha, it was my own fault. It was my own failings, character failings that is preventing me from going on um and doing what i want to do um and so for years and years i felt that um and now with the autism and understanding it i can change my life and say i can't okay i'm not going to do it this way I'm going to do it another way rather than forcing myself to do something someone else's way. It's okay if I fail. It's okay if I fall short. It, it's okay if I'm not perfect. And I don't like it, it's just like a whole world lifted off my shoulders. So as you're self-diagnosed with autism and other things, do you feel like you need that diagnosis, that clarification? For me, no. For other people, kind of yes, especially people who have known me my whole life. It's like... <laughs> I, I um, there there's only a couple people I've even told um because it's kind of the fear of being seen as a hypochondriac that oh you just read about it so now you have it kind of uh mindset yeah um and I have encountered that kind of thing. And strangers are much more willing and open to understanding that those who have not seen any issues, those who, um, those who I'm closest to are less likely to understand or be understanding. It, it counters their vision of what I am and uh, who I am. Mm -hmm. Come on, sweet. Come on. Come on. Come on. Anything else, Joe? Sorry, guys. I'm dissociating a little bit because I'm hearing stuff outside. I'm like, what's going on out there? So sorry. Hello there. This is Kaya. Dog. We have a dog. I can't see because I see a black screen. So. Oh, Hi, dog. <laughs> oh no. Um. Yeah. This. This is Kaya. She's a little chihuahua mix. She's laying on the couch right next to me. Anyway. What's she mixed next with? Chihuahua and what else? Um. Toy fox terrier. There you go. Oh. She's I can't see her, but I'm sure she's pretty. <laughs> is oh, I'm sorry. You have a black Ernie screen. Why do you have a black screen? I just I don't know. You two are like a black screen with purple circles going round and round and round no, and round. Oh. I've been staring at black screens for the past half an hour. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> So whenever you guys are talking, I'm like not looking at the screen because I'm like I have nothing to look at basically. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Like oh, you have had so <laughs> Oh I don't know what's going on on my end. It's usually Joel who has the issues. 
Oh wow! Have I have I claimed a Joel Kursk? Who knows? <laughs> well, you know He's what? He's cut the back on. Yeah. <laughs> well, usually it's Willow having the technical issues. So it's Lexi. Lexi it's having the technical my, issues. It's apparently my turn today. Yeah. So. Yay me! <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Oh, that, that's rough. That, that is rough. <laughs> Thank you for actually caring. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, we can see we can see everyone, which is nice. It's nice that this is a video podcast rather than just you know hearing voices and stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that's sort of all the, the questions I had for you. Um, but, you know, I, I like people to just, like, say whatever comes to mind and whatever. Um, yeah. And just naturally progress the conversation. Yeah, we didn't plan this episode at all. We were just, like... We do sometimes, thank you very much. <laughs> Apart from yeah. little nobody. You're right, we didn't plan Bowers episode. I did no, little was the only one who was planned. Everybody else just went with the flow. It's all yeah. good, it's all fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for coming along and, and talking to us. Uh, we will leave the links for the disability writing workshops in the description below. And anyone is more than welcome, whether you have a disability or not. And uh, we'd love to see you there, me and Willow. Um, and I Julie might put my, my head in sometimes. Yeah. Put up like a, like a, what's the word? Like a mole coming out of the ground. Yum. Hello. Yes. 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 Um. Yeah. We have uh quite a few people there actually. It's it's crazy. Like just um, I I'm sitting here in my living room with Willow. Uh, remotely, Willow's based in America. I'm in London, and like just fifteen people just like come to specifically listen to us. And it's like. I, like, I can't imagine 15 people in my living room just here listening to me. Clearly you're doing something right if they keep coming back. Exactly, yes. It was, like, it was so cool. Like, for the first two weeks, we already had, like, a, a core group. It was like, what is it? What? No, and it's such mm. a niche topic about disability, you know, and yet so many people want to come and hear us it's really cool and what's important is in that workshop not only other disabled people but non-disabled people as well yeah exactly yeah so it is um uh it, it was kind of first uh discussed as uh one of the important things of writing any kind of uh, someone different than you is sensitivity reading and you know discussion and such and so that's kind of where it starts. So yes, we absolutely welcome uh, able-bodied people, no matter who you are, if you are writing a disabled character to come in. But it is actually uh, more that more than that. Um, we absolutely need more disabled writers too. Uh, we need disabilities in every aspect of the creation process. And so it doesn't matter. Disabled, not disabled, uh, uh, mental, physical, it does not matter. Um, Want to come and uh, talk, talk about your story, whatever. Uh, we love all of it. Um, we get into some pretty in-depth discussions. and. Uh, some of it can be quite, um, well, both cathartic and learn so much, learn so much, just especially the more 
different disabilities represented or different people who come, the more we can all learn about each other. Yeah, I went to one session and automatically I was like, I'm going to come back next week because it's amazing. It's so good. We have a lot of fun. So. Yeah, lots of people who come and just talk about disability and what it's like. And we, we, we did a quote-unquote class about the ID and just sort of told people, you know, this is what's wrong with overrepresentation at the moment. This is what it actually is and, you know, these sorts of things. Um, and people bring, like, a disability that they want a bit of help researching, they might bring in and, and sort of tell them what I know and, like, people might bring a disability I've never heard of and go, oh, now I've learned something new, you know. It's uh, oh, really yeah. cool. Thank you very much, Lexi, for coming to talk to us. It's been wonderful to talk about disability in media and, like, hear how you're creating disabled characters. Uh, and if you want to know more, you can use one of the Discord links in the description below to uh, join our writing workshops. We have one for screenwriting on a server called ScriptCamp and one for novel writing on a server called WordCamp. Uh, you can also find the description for this server in the description below. We are currently trying to work out a new name for it because the name that we have sucks. Uh, or had. I've partially changed it uh, because I didn't want Lexi to see what it was called. <laughs> so we, we're looking for a new game, essentially. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so then. three Discord servers for you to join. Um, also, go and check out Lexi's YouTube channel, Draglets of Makara. It's a series of shorts about a disabled dragon. Uh, and go check that out. And, yeah, you can find mine and Julia's social medias also in the description. We'll be back next time for another episode of Ramped Up with me, Joel Sprouse. And me, Julia Chenko. Thank you very much, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.